RTI Time Machine. Today's time traveler is John Van Trieste. And the destination, the 1940s. No account of Taiwan's art history could be complete without the story of Guo Xuehu, a painter whose career spanned a century. Born in 1908 and largely self-taught, Guo could do it all, from sparse Chinese ink painting to dense, intricate scenes done in an eclectic mix of styles. His early works capture an entire period of Taiwanese history, the period of his youth, when Taiwan was a colony ruled from Japan. Some of his artworks have even become a sort of visual shorthand used to conjure this period up. Last week, we looked at this iconic early work with Lin Yuchun, a former curator at the Taipei Fine Arts Museum, as our guide. But Guo Xuehu outlived the 50-year period of Japanese rule by far. In fact, he lived to be 103. This week, with Ms. Lin as our guide once again, we're going to move on from the Japanese period to see what this giant of Taiwanese art did next. The final years of the Japanese period continued to be busy ones for Guo Xuehu. He continued creating works, both Chinese ink paintings and pieces in his own dense and intensely detailed style. He exhibited, joined art societies, and got married. The times were changing though. By the end of the 1930s, Japan was at war with China, a conflict that would later grow into the Pacific theater of World War II. At the war's end, in 1945, Japan handed over Taiwan to the Republic of China government. At first, things seemed to have continued as they had been. In 1946, Guo helped organize a Taiwan-wide art exhibition, which went smoothly. But in Taiwan, things were not going smoothly at all. Resentment against the new government and its policies built up among many in Taiwan. In 1947, this sentiment erupted in what became known as the 228 Incident. Artists and intellectuals were among those killed in the government's violent crackdown. Then in 1949, the turmoil continued. The government had lost the Chinese Civil War, and it was forced to retreat from mainland China, leaving it with only Taiwan and a few other islands. The government declared martial law, which would remain in place until the 1980s, it was around this time that Guo Xuehu began to travel and to produce some works in a simpler style. Alongside studies of scenery in Taiwan, he begins to paint subjects like a cathedral in the Philippines and stone ruins in Thailand. He also went to Japan to visit an old mentor from the colonial period. I asked Ms. Lin if this travel and these occasional sketches of foreign lands had to do with the tense political climate at the time back in Taiwan. Ms. Lin says she thinks so. The period called the White Terror, which followed the 228 incident, was a risky time to be around, with tight restrictions on freedom and the potential for small missteps to lead to big trouble. She says that many who could leave Taiwan did, especially those dissatisfied with restrictions on thought and expression. 
artists, she adds, are easily dissatisfied. Ms. Lin says that during the 1950s, travel abroad wasn't always easy for Taiwanese people, and so Guo Xuehu was lucky. He had connections and got invitations to artistic events overseas, allowing him to move around. It helped, too, that some of his children went to study abroad. Ms. Lin says some of Guo's works on foreign themes are popular among collectors. They're highly decorative, painted with vibrant colors, and done in a memorable style. However, she says she doesn't feel that these works are among his greatest. She says the amount of time he spent in places like Thailand was never long enough for him to imbibe the local culture. And this means the works he painted there don't have the same level of cultural depth he used to paint Taiwan. She compares these works to quick sketches, or postcards done by a traveler. In 1964, Guo Xuehu moved to Japan. Then, from 1971 onwards, the United States became his home, and his family's home as well. Whatever art experts have to say about his works done abroad, his 1968 view of Mount Fuji from the coast, his paintings of snowy villages near Pittsburgh, and his 1984 view of the moon over the Grand Canyon are among my favorite works of his. From snow to desert hues to the jungles of Southeast Asia, Guo was never hesitant to blend cultures or explore beyond what Taiwan had to offer. While living abroad, Guo also had an unusual opportunity for someone from Taiwan at the time. He went to mainland China and painted what he saw there. This was in the 1970s, in the final years of the Cultural Revolution. For anyone else, this would have been a problem. But Ms. Lin says that Guo was able to go because one of his children worked with the UN. And when he next visited Taiwan, the political environment had become more forgiving of those who'd crossed the Taiwan Strait. Though living abroad, Guo was not a stranger to Taiwanese art circles. Ms. Lin says he would come back to visit now and then, and she says his children would also carry works back to Taiwan so they could be put on exhibit. In 1987, Taiwan's era of martial law came to an end, and democracy followed. But Guo Xuehu did not return to Taiwan. It was clear that he thought about Taiwan. Among his paintings of Yosemite, southern China, and the American Southwest are works like Taiwan Orchids, a study of flowers done in 1978. Ms. Lin says he may have stayed where he was because of his age. Though he continued to travel for a long time after, by the time he settled in the U.S., he was already reaching his 70s. For Ms. Lin, Guo's later works touching on Taiwan are of great interest because one of her focuses has always been on the connection between artist and place. The connections she sees aren't always obvious to the casual viewer. 
然它景色是从它家附近叫做望海山庄附近看出去哦，可是我想在它记忆深处的那一个观音山。For instance, in 1987, the year martial law ended on Taiwan, Guo painted San Francisco landscape. A series of four paintings showing Northern California in spring and in fall. It seems straightforward enough, but in this series of paintings, Ms. Lin sees hints of a different scene: echoes of Mount Guanyin along the Danshui River. It's in a spot outside of Taipei that Guo would have been familiar with. Guo Xuehu passed away peacefully in 2012 at his home in San Francisco. As we have seen, though he was never restricted to Taiwanese themes, Taiwan, the place he'd come from, continued to be important in his work until the end. In different lights and different seasons, in scenes of daily life and in scenes of nature, Guo Xuehu had spent a lifetime putting Taiwan on canvas. 103 years of life filled with critical acclaim is more than most of us can hope for. But what do art experts have to say about his historical significance? I put this question to Ms. Lin. I think it's important that he has recognized the place of Taiwan. On this, she has several thoughts. This was an artist who put Taiwan and its art on the map. Over his long life. He recorded Taiwan's nature and its cultures, and through his travels around the world, put them in a global spotlight. I'm John Van Trieste, and I hope you'll join me again next week for another journey through Taiwan.